Promo Kitchen is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org slash donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. This episode of the Promo Kitchen podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Sanmar. Sanmar believes in the power of promotional products. Since 1971, this family-owned apparel supplier has been dedicated to passionately serving customers through trusted brands like Port Authority, Port & Company, Nike Golf, OGO, District, and Sport Tech. You can check them out online at sanmar.com. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. I am Chef Bill Petrie, and co-hosting this podcast with me is Chef Kirby Hossaman. As many of you know, PPAI has a long history of executing education and networking events to foster growth within the promotional products industry. Recently, PPAI held an event in Denver targeted at young promotional products professionals called Spark. This event was created by and targeted to millennials who comprise the largest portion of the workforce in the United States. Led by Seth Barnett, PPAI's Diversity Development Engagement Manager, Spark was designed to give millennials an opportunity to become engaged, educated, and connected with topics that are specific to the beginning stages of starting a successful career in the promotional products industry. On a recent unscripted podcast, Kirby and I discussed Spark, and while applauding the overall initiative and success of the event, we expressed some concern about the optics coming out of the event and how it might be viewed from an outsider's perspective. Specifically, the lack of the young professional's story during and immediately following the event. We know there is a story, a very important story, to tell, and we've asked two attendees for the Spark event to tell their story their way. First, we have John Cudahy, who is the Senior National Account Manager at Prime Resources. John has over 15 years of industry experience and is the current president of the Specialty Advertising Association of Greater New York, or SAGNY. John also participated on the Spark Work Group, which helped shape the overall event. We also have Kelsey Cunningham, who is a regional sales manager for Imagine Brands, and that's Crown and Vitronic. She grew up in the industry as her family's distributorship before moving to the supplier side 10 years ago. John and Kelsey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Really look forward to engaging. So I'm going to start off with you, John. How did you initially hear about the event? Well, being on the Spark Work Group, you know, we knew we were going to do this event before it was even an event. From the beginning, we wanted to take this movement, take the young professional market and have a standalone event. But before you got in the work group, how did you even hear about that there was going to be an event that you could get into the work group? No, 2016 at LDW was the first kind of spark event that they had. There was a little get-together. I remember that. It was right outside on Wednesday night, if I remember right. Yeah, you probably weren't invited to that one either. No, I, w <laughs> I, w I looked longingly from the inside, looking outside with my old-fashioned in hand, looking very sad. Yes, I, re I remember those puppy dog eyes through the glass. 
But uh, yeah, so we just got together and had a little networking event and Seth kind of told us his plans and what he saw, what he visioned moving forward. I immediately offered my services to whatever the group needed. That's great. Now, Kelsey, you were not on the work group. How did you hear about the event? I actually, when I started with Imagine, met Seth the day I started and he was a speaker at our national sales meeting. And as a follow-up to that, we actually met for lunch and he asked if I would be interested in kind of ping-ponging some ideas about it. I'd never even heard of it, but I had mentioned to him without knowing about Spark being, I didn't know that there was an initial get-together, but I had expressed the need for something of this kind. And he said, well, you're going to be interested to hear about Spark. So we got together and I learned the more details about the event itself. So I initially learned it simply by starting with Imagine and meeting Seth at our sales meeting. Okay, cool. So this is Kirby. I'm jumping on now. And I'll start with you, Kelsey. Why did you decide to attend the event this year? You know, I really think that in a lot of ways, it's extremely important. You know, it's not something that's a quiet matter. I mean, millennial topics are hot and heavy everywhere. And I think that I wanted to, you know, just initially be a part of the onboarding of this and in the start of something that I really feel is going to be beneficial for everybody. But I wanted to kind of put my, you know, iron into the fire and see how white hot it could get and see if I could possibly contribute something because, you know, I'm kind of, if we're doing the age thing, which I, you know, that's in a whole other discussion. I felt like, you know, hey, I might be a little on the older side, but I also can relate. I mean, I never had a computer in the house until the 90s, but I can also, you know, I remember not having one. I remember it being constantly in my hand now. So it actually leads me really nicely into the next question. And I'll start with John on this one. What were your expectations going into the event and were they met? Why or why not? John, we'll start with you and then I'll come to Kelsey too. The entire work group really didn't know what to expect. We knew we had a good product. We knew we spent a lot of time really honing the event and making sure that it was a good event. And I mean, everything looked good on paper, but you know, once we were there, once we started seeing what was happening, the conversations that were going on, the networking, the smiles on everybody's faces, I mean, we were all blown away. From the feedback we received, I mean, they were inspired, they were motivated, they were encouraged. They were ready just to pursue their career in the industry. And, and these are the words from the attendees. These aren't even my words. Mm. No, that's super. I mean, again, if you're going to go through the process of working through an event like that, that's exactly what you want to hear. I mean, Kelsey, did you have the same feel? Oh, absolutely. It was remarkable. I didn't know what to expect going in, but I was delighted. You know, the work group did a phenomenal job of starting it off with some of the icebreakers that we did. And honestly, right from that moment, it set the tone and it wasn't your normal icebreaker. John, elaborate a little bit on that. But, you know, I absolutely agree. I was blown away at how connected everybody became instantly. No, that's cool. I mean, that's what you want to hear when you do this. Now, John, one more question. I'll turn it back over to Bill. Now, you were obviously involved in that work group. Now, how do you think your participation in that group helped to shape the overall event? I mean, the work group shaped the entire event. Mm. You know, Seth and the team made it known from the very, very beginning, this was our event. You know, they're there to help with, you know, making sure everything goes smoothly, booking everything, but the ideation, the content, you know, that all came from the work group. It was awesome to have that kind of freedom. And mm. as, as Kelsey kind of alluded to, the icebreaker game we played was Cards Against Humanity. 
And if you don't know somebody, a quick 45-minute game of Cards Against Humanity, you know them more than you than, than you would hope to know. <laughs> yeah, I would have to agree. That's a great way to get to know people and also be very scared of people. <laughs> There's a bit of that. But from that moment on, the tone was set. This was open. This was candid. There was nothing that you couldn't say, no topic that would not be discussed. And it really, really drove the event to something that nobody even expected. That's great. Hey, Kelsey, I want to ask you a question. So as a young woman in the promotional products industry, why is an event like Spark so important? Because the feedback we got from the podcast was, hey, this is a very important event. But I think as a young woman in the industry, it might have a different meaning to you than just a millennial perspective. Why is Spark an important event for you? You know, I had a hard time initially when, you know, pondering some of this question because I just don't see that me being, you know, a female being, you know, something that I was I really ever considered about that, the whole event and spark in the industry. But, you know, I will say that now that I've been thinking about it, it is a male dominated industry, certainly where I am anyway, and in my experience. And, you know, there was a big eye-opener moment for me when I realized how many women my age or younger in this age group at all were in the industry. But, you know, historically and even now, there is a lot more men in the industry. So being a part of something that I am passionate about involving, you know, Imagine Brands allowed us to, you know, I, I presented the question, hey, you know, wouldn't it be, you know, probably in our best interest to maybe invite a guest? So Amy Norwood and myself, we both brought customers of ours that were both women. So in doing that, I think that really, and in having that question being raised, I never really thought about it in terms of, you know, a gender perspective, but there is a lot of credence to that because, you know, like I said, it's a male-dominated industry and the, the bigger voice that I can have as a female and as a millennial, the better, but just as a female in general. So it's kind of you know, killing two birds with one stone in hindsight. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's critical that women professionals in our industry do attend those events, whether it's Spark or NALC or even WLC. We in Promo Kitchen have had the same discussion. How do we get more women involved? Because if you look at the chefs in Promo Kitchen, outside of Charity, who's extraordinarily active, we don't have a lot of women in Promo Kitchen, and it's not because we don't want to, and it's not an old boys club. We just have found it challenging to get people engaged and involved. So that's why I wanted to ask that question. You know, another thing to note is that there's the Women's Leadership Conference, right? But yep. our age group, this way, I think, you know, was sparking on my mind's really racing with this because it makes perfect sense. You know, we're not really invited to those kinds of things. We kind of are left off of the invitee list, you know, and this spark event allowed a lot for that to happen so you know there's not a ton geared towards women in general so you know while spark wasn't just for women it allowed my trip to jump in because i want to get involved i want to be a lot more involved but the opportunities don't present themselves as often you know for us as i'd like and not just the age group but women in general right and i think outside of wlc there are not a lot of options for women to get involved. So I think that's a great, great point. Let me follow up with you, Kelsey, and then John, I want you to answer this as well. So as a generation, millennials have a bunch of negative stereotypes, right? It's the old, they have a poor work ethic. 
have a sense of entitlement, they have difficulty handling criticism, etc. And obviously those traits can be used to describe individuals from any generation. I know plenty of Gen Xers who have those characteristics. I know plenty of baby boomers who have those characteristics. And I think we all do. But they seem to have been really plastered on millennials as a generation. That it's a complete wash, whitewashing. How does an event like Spark kind of help break those negative stereotypes? Kelsey, let's start with you on that. You know, I'm just going to say this. I don't think that we were intending to break any kind of stereotype nor address it. The idea was to simply create a peer group that could ping pong ideas off of each other. You know, we didn't know each other existed. And it's a very small segment of us. And, you know, I realized that there's all of, you know, these, you know, misnomers and, you know, whether positive or negative about millennials. But Spark, I really don't believe that we're trying to break any kind of stereotype. I mean, that's, that takes time and, you know, just kind of going improving yourself. And that's going to be on us if, if it's the constant, you know, arrows that are being shot in our direction. We'll have to put up our shield and we will. And I think that's what Spark is exactly trying to do is create an environment in which we can all feed off of one another and share stories and be connected and not feel like we're all on these islands. So by doing that, I think that it will mitigate some of that stereotype on all the labels and all of that. I really feel that just having each other now is what Spark did and that in itself will eventually you know, mitigate some of the stereotype. Something you said was interesting to me in the sense that you said, look, we weren't trying to break any stereotypes. We were trying to maybe create a peer group that maybe it's a support group. Maybe it's getting to know other people in that generation. I almost feel like, and this is totally off the cuff, but it feels like maybe that's part of the challenge, right? Is that the goal of the event is not necessarily what maybe we thought the goal of the event was. And that's part of the disconnect. Does that make any sense at all? Absolutely, it does. And I couldn't agree more. I really believe that the whole point of this first time and, you know, I did reply to that thread in regard to the initial podcast you guys put out and year two and three and, you know, hopefully decades from now, it will be tweaked and formatted to fit that. But this first time, it really just was about discovering each other. I mean, there were 60 to 65 people there. I had no idea that we had even that large of a group. And then there was a waiting list on top of that. So it was phenomenal to know that. I mean, even if it's under 100, that's still 100 people that, you know, you can network with and at least have that commonality with. So absolutely think that it was more than just networking and an education, of course, but primarily it was just to meet each other. I know that sounds really simple, but... No, I understand that, that there's the networking... And again, I think Kirby crystallized my thoughts into words. Maybe that's where a big disconnect is that, you know, we look at it as a traditional event where there's education, this and this, and you guys looked at it maybe differently. John, what do you think? Was the event designed to break those stereotypes or was it more something that we just didn't understand from the outside looking in? I agree with Kelsey. We did not have a goal of breaking the stereotypes. I mean, that never even came up in conversation in any of the planning. As an outsider looking in, that horribly broad statement of millennials that you just gave, I mean, we don't see that. You know, Mm -hmm. every single attendee there did not fall into that category whatsoever. These were the leaders. These were the people eager and hungry and ready to go. I could not use any of those stereotypes to describe anybody that was there. This event sold out eight weeks 
early, faster than any other event in PPI history, which just leads to the monumental event that we had planned and the expectations that we had, I mean, blown away. And one of the things that was discussed and we still don't have the answer to is, you know, it's going to be very, very tough to relay the energy, the camaraderie, the overall feel of the event. You know, we all know that there's something special there, but how do we get that out in a way that anybody can comprehend? That's going to be the toughest part. And, you know, that's on us to do that. But yeah, I mean, the whole idea of stereotypes in it, that wasn't even a thing. No, and I get that. And when I read that list of stereotypes, that's not, let me be very clear here. I like to consider myself a pretty good communicator, but after the comments I got back last week, I clearly wasn't. That is not my opinion of millennials. That is society's definition of millennials. Like I said, I know plenty of people who are my age who have a sense of entitlement. So it wasn't a whitewashing of your generation by me. And I want to be very clear on that. One thing though, and you know, here's what I struggle with because Kirby and I gave an opinion that you know, we thought the event looked like it was a success and obviously it was. I know it sold out very quickly. I know that people who attended, you guys certainly echo this, that loved it. There was a lot of great learnings there. And then John, you touched on something that you agree, it's incumbent upon you guys to share the learnings. You're just not sure how you're going to do that yet. And I understand that. Help me understand the why our podcast and, and our take on it, because I very rarely re-listen to a podcast I'm on. I can barely stand to hear my voice once, let alone twice. <laughs> that makes all of us, dude. But I listened to it again, and I thought, wow, I don't understand the negative backlash that seemed to get everybody fired up. So help me understand where we're missing. Help me as a 47-year-old Gen Xer and, and Kirby as a 43-year-old Gen Xer. Help us understand. Let's start with you, John. Help us understand why our podcast got everybody so fired up. Well, I can't speak for everyone else. Who... Speak for you. Oh, I can absolutely do that. I thought you could. I got incredibly, incredibly pissed off with your podcast. You guys do a great job. But your overall tone was almost picking us out and you know putting a spotlight on us when we're doing absolutely nothing different than the rest of the industry. You know, you talked about the optics over and over and over again. And yes, we're we're younger, we're going to do things differently, but to specifically call us out over something that is rampant not only in our industry but in in every industry. It was just so hypocritical to me. I mean, you Bill, you post weekly Yep. About booze. And Kirby owns a brewery. John, I'll, I'm going to interrupt you real quick because I, I will agree with you 100% so we can put that to bed. Okay. That's the one thing I listened to when I heard the podcast again. I thought, man, I shouldn't have made a point of pointing out the people holding a beer. That was wrong. So I'll, I look, I'm, I'm, I can admit when I'm wrong. I was wrong in that. I do, however, still feel that the optics were a little off in terms of sharing the learnings. That's what I wish would have come across more because that's what was in my head. It wasn't, heck, everybody's drinking. Even though that's how it came across, that wasn't my intention. So I agree with you. We can put that to bed. I agree completely as well. And, you know, as far as sharing the learning, I don't know how in a social media post anyone could comprehend what was going on there. I mean, we could have done the same old thing and here's your speaker and look at all of us paying attention. But that would, I mean... Congratulations. Now we're in a room just like everybody else. That would not encompass what actually was going on. 
Right. I don't even know how to really encompass, really portray this other than the people doing it themselves. They posted what they found relevant. They posted what they wanted to share. It's on us to really get this out there. And, you know, I feel like recently I'm doing more defending the event, defending Seth, defending the work group than having an opportunity to get that word out there. That also fired me up big time. Yeah. And I know Kelsey wants to say something. I just want to answer that real quick. And then Kelsey, you're, you're up. I happen to agree where you're coming from, but I think it's also the responsibility for you guys to share those learnings and figure that out. Look, the millennial group, your group, your, this engaged group, the 60 people who attended Spark, I think if Paul Bellantone was, was here, he'd use the term super user. You guys are super users. You guys are the ones that are going to shape the future of the industry that we all depend on for our livelihood. I know it. Kirby knows it. You guys know it. We depend on you. We are looking to you guys to lead us to where we are going to be. And so when the event felt like from the outside looking in that it was very secretive, not that we need to know everything that's going on, but I'm hungry. I want to know what was learned. Not because I think, what are they doing? What are they hiding from us? It's what can we learn from that group? How can we apply the learnings from that group to make the industry better? How can I make myself better? That was my frustration with it. And again, I'm not sure that that came across the way I wanted it to. John, you want to say something real quick and then Kelsey? And you know, the, the best way to learn that information is to talk to the people within the group. To sit down and have one-on-one conversation with them. You know, it's impossible for us for me to, to totally encompass everything in one quick conversation of what everybody experienced out there. You need to sit down and each person has their own thing, their own thing they got out of it, their takeaways, the things that they, they're bringing back to their companies. And it's on the shoulders of you know, us to make sure we initiate those conversations, but also the other generations to say, what did you learn? And that's what I hope we're doing. I mean, I'm hungry for that. Kelsey, You've been wanting to say something. Please hop in. I think that initially, and I've talked to a few people, but my initial thought was, A, it was really a quick trigger. We hadn't, you know, barely had time to really process it ourselves in order to formulate a great way of presenting that. Also, in terms of the optics from a social media standpoint, I mean, I won the the social media award. I think I put four pictures up, but it was basically in, in transit because I think that, I mean, I honestly feel like it speaks to how engaged everybody was. So if that was your initial take from it, then, you know, social media wasn't our ally, which is ironic. I realized with how active we all are normally, but my initial thought was, well, who did he talk to? And did they talk to anybody? And, you know, you, you, you made a good point. I have to say about, you know, it was kind of, I'd have to listen to, I should have listened to it right before this, to be honest with you, but you had talked about how, you know, we want to feel included yet and not be excluded at the same time. But, you know, we created an event that was just for us. And so it was a little bit counterintuitive in terms of, you know, what the perception is or what we as a generation want. You know, my question to you would be, who did you talk to, if anybody? And, and where did this, you know, hot button topic come from? Was it just from the social media posts or was it because you hadn't seen anybody put anything out there in great length? What, what was it that really got you heated about it? I'll answer since I was the one who brought the topic up on our podcast. I knew about the event a long time ago, just in being engaged at PPAI and, and being friends with Seth 
and know that he was pouring his heart and soul into that. So I knew it would be a really good event. And I knew the event was coming up. And I happened to actually be speaking at the Rocky Mountain Regional Promotional Products Association event the day before Spark. And I thought that was interesting. And I reached out to Seth and I said, hey, you know, understand you have your Spark event. And I know I'm way outside the age group. Maybe I could stop by if there's anything you need. And he said, hey, we're sold out. Don't need anything. Thanks so much. And I wished him well. And I said, I'm sure it's going to be a great event. I can't wait to hear about it. And then it was like crickets. The PPAI page didn't have any updates on it. The only updates were from people I know, like you, Kelsey, or you, John, or Seth, on their individual Facebook feeds. So it felt like it just kind of went into this vacuum. And so it wasn't like this, gosh, I'm so pissed off and I can't wait to talk about this. It was, wow, that just seems odd because I know it's a very important event, certainly to PPAI and certainly to the attendees. And it just struck me as odd that there was very little coming out of it. So it wasn't this, my head wasn't on fire about it or anything. It just struck me as bizarre that I knew the event was taking place and there was very little coming out of it. So that was really, and plus, honestly, we do a podcast every week. We got to find crap to talk about. Let's be honest. So there's your answer. That's, gotcha. It's, a, it's yeah. an honest answer. No, no. It's, I mean, that's, it's, that's perfect. I just, I think that initially I thought, you know, just personally, I didn't hear from you, you know, and, and if you wanted, right. you could have picked my brain all day long, but I was like, well, this is odd. You know, I mean, you and I speak often, so I just was kind of thrown, thrown off by that, I suppose. And that's fair. And it wasn't, it wasn't designed that way. Just to give everybody transparency, if you don't listen to Kirby as I's podcast, I literally come up with topics three minutes before we go on the air. Kirby has no idea what I'm going to talk about. And it just, hey, this is a topic. I didn't see anything coming out of there. That's interesting. That was really it. So nothing more than that. So I, I will say this, shame on me because I probably should have reached out. But by the same token, shame on the Spark attendees for not sharing too. It's a two-way street. That's my perspective on it. So like I said, there's learnings to be had. And I think, look, if I'm saying it, saying I'm hungry to learn and hear what you guys did at Spark, there's 50 other people that aren't vocal that are wanting the same thing. And I think it kind of leads me nicely into my next question, because honestly, and and I actually would love to hear from both of you on this. I'll start with John, because you were on the work group, so I'll go with you. But I'd actually like to hear from Kelsey on this as well. You know, my one issue, and it's funny because Bill just talked about it. We call it unscripted because it is, right? So he brought up this topic and I was not necessarily prepared for it. But my initial reaction is the same one that I have. My one issue with the event is the exclusionary nature of it. So why do you think that's the right route to go? Or do you now moving forward? John, you go first, man. Absolutely. You know, it's exclusionary because that's the way the content is designed. You know, if you've been in the industry for 20 years, you're not going to get anything out of it. Your career path is really moving. You don't really need to know the stuff that people with less than five years in the industry really are hungry for. You know, the the peer-to-peer education is a huge thing. You know, people who are going through specific issues are talking to people who are going through the same issues. It's much easier to have an open candid conversation with a colleague than it is somebody with, you know, 30 plus years experience. Okay. And I mean, this, this event is no different than WLCs and LDW than an EME than a facilitate. These are all exclusionary events that the industry does. So to put the spotlight on another event using a similar model of other events, I, I just 
don't get it. I mean, there's there's more for us to give back to the industry, talking with one another and solving those issues that we're all dealing with. When I first started in this industry, I moved 500 miles away by myself, packed up everything in a truck and had no network whatsoever. Something like this would have saved me on so many occasions, but I had to figure it all out by myself. And for me to be able to sit down with somebody who is doing the exact same thing I did and be able to relate to them and be able to have an open conversation with them, they're going to get so much more out of that than having this conversation with somebody who's never experienced, who's been in the industry for 20 years. And, and that's why the exclusionary aspect of it is so important. We, we need to keep it that way so we can help each other and lift each other up. Not to say that there's not education, there's not information that we can get from the other generations, but it's going to resonate more. It's going to be more relatable. It's, go it's going to hit home harder coming from a peer. Okay. John, I totally appreciate what you're saying. I could push back in that. I think you can make an event like that and make it targeted. Go right ahead. Push to, back. Yeah, targeted to millennials, but allow other perspectives in. I think you're right, by the way. I think the peer-to-peer -peer piece is uber valuable. So like, there's no disagreement on that. But I think the idea that like someone couldn't take something from me because I don't understand what they're going through, quite the contrary, man. I totally have. And that's not what I mean whatsoever. I mean, okay. as I stated, you know, you have a wealth of knowledge that I would love to tap into. I think it'd be very beneficial to me. Cool. But one of the one of the main aspects of this event is the we had 60 attendees. You know, next year we're thinking about pushing it to 75. Mm -hmm. So now we open this up to anybody who wants to come. Now we have 50 business owners, mm. 50 people who've been in the industry for 20 plus years because they want to see what's going on. And we're not giving an opportunity mm. to these people behind the scenes, these people who are in the customer service, who are in order entry, who are just starting out. We're not giving them the opportunity. That was one of the amazing things about this event is we did get those people behind the scenes from mm. the regional level, from the SAGNI level. We're always trying to figure out how to engage those people. And this event allowed us to do that. We had business owners saying, hey, I have a young professional in my company. I'd love to send them. Mm. And we don't want to take it away from those people. The, the business owners can go to Expo. They can go to whatever big event they always go to and network with the young professionals. But, you know, just to have the people behind the scenes that don't get to do these things was a huge aspect. Dude, I will tell you, very well stated, because I think your point is well taken that you're right. The folks who, like me, would want to go to it. So we'd have the ability and we could totally change the culture of an event like that. So that's a great point. I really like that. Kelsey, I want to give you an opportunity. You know, I don't know if you remember this, John, but at the end, when we were giving feedback and takeaways and maybe some advice for what we were hoping for, for, you know, the next years in the future, you guys were very much so as you know, your generation and all, you know, other age groups. So one of the most common things, certainly in my you know, immediate group of people that we were sharing amongst, we want a panel of you guys to, you know, one of the evenings we had several tables set up and there were questions asked to facilitate conversation. And I think that would be the perfect environment for you guys to sort of lead that or be a Q&A. And it just be maybe a, you know, one segment of it, but that's wanted. Everybody wants to know the perspective from who wasn't there, but not necessarily include them for the entire event. Because like you said, it can change the whole dynamic, but it's not that we don't want the input. We do. And I think that's what I feel like. I know personally, I would have loved to have had more of 
of that and to have, okay, well, this is our opinion. What would they say? And to not have that be a question mark leaving that session. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I, I think you guys have done a really nice job of kind of sort of explaining why that is. Because honestly, that's the piece I struggled with, if I'm being totally honest. So I think you're right. I think it would change the overall tone and culture. And just to address, John, the most unpopular or controversial thing I'll say is I don't like any exclusionary events, okay? So like when you use WLC as an example, like I'm just not crazy about the idea of an exclusionary event, but I do understand what you're saying. So I think it was well done. And you can mail your negative comments to Kirby (laughs) Hossaman. Um, Let's make sure who said that. No, No, I I really, this has been a very good I love what we're talking about. I love the passion behind it. And I said this going in when before we started recording, I am willing to be wrong. And I think I've learned a little bit, a lot, I'm phrase that, a lot more about the event and why it is the way it is. Doesn't mean I have to agree with everything, but I really have gotten a big understanding. As we are getting a little short on time, I wanted to ask one final question to each of you guys. So the 2018 Spark event, and Kelsey, you just touched on that, is actually going to be in Nashville. What would each of you, let's start with you, John, what would you like to see continue that happened in Denver? What structure would you like to see continue? And what would you like to see changed in Nashville next year at the next event? Well, I think the small exclusionary aspect of the event needs to stay consistent. That was one of the things that made this event so great. The the style of learning that we did, you know, it wasn't necessarily in a boardroom, but we went to a music venue. We had, you know, a lot of open candid conversations you know i think all those things should continue in 2018 you know what should we change obviously our optics need to be better on the event we need to make sure that people know what's going on and that would definitely be discussed and you know some of the sessions you know the walk around session was a a, a little rough it was good conversation but it really didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen so i think we need to rework that a little bit but you know the content we're going to work on that. And I, and I do remember that, Kelsey, talking about the, the panel. And that's one thing that we are d- definitely going to talk about to see how we can have an exclusionary event, but include some other people. Awesome. How about you, Kelsey? You know, John really hit a lot of the points that I feel like would be my answers to that as well. You know, like I said before, having that, you know, panel, like, you know, John just mentioned, I think that would be super beneficial because there were a lot of questions lingering in the room that could be cleared up so people could walk away with a bit more. I think that also maybe having those sessions last a bit longer, you know, that particular session I'm referring to in the music venue was one of my favorites. I think that that's what I've seen a lot of commentary on from people I'm now connected to from the event. But, you know, I think they did a phenomenal job in, I mean, it was, the content was great. There were some things that, you know, fumbled a bit. The idea of the walk around was, was awesome, but it was almost, it was just a little bit chaotic. So I agree with what John said. I'm looking forward to next year and it being you know, a little bit different environment, which I think that has a lot to do with, you know, what transpires is where you're located. So you know, the worker did a great job. So I'm sure that they listened to every word of feedback and are going to try to integrate as much as we, you know, tried to chime in with. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I hate to be redundant, but, you know, John did a really good job of, you know, kind of stole the words out of my mouth. So <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just want to say something really quickly. I think it's important to note that, 
you know, there's no mystery in our generation, in my opinion. We're doing things the same way that people have been connecting and, and trying to unify or create a culture around people that are in a place in their life at the same time doing the things that they're doing. So this is not a new idea. And I realize that the exclusionary thing is the most attractive to some people, but I do feel it's necessary, especially in an industry that is, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't think in eighth grade in my senior year that I'm going to be selling promotional products. However, I mean, I was born into the industry, but most people have an interesting story as to how they get into the industry. So we need this group of people to be connected so that we can recruit more people to this industry. There's a big gap. And, you know, Seth talked about it when we were at our sales conference. It was a really good point. You know, there's not a lot of us and we're the majority of the workforce and we need to recruit more people. And by creating this specific and exclusionary event, it creates a draw. And we need that draw. This industry needs more of our age group. Baby boomers, I'm sure, would like to retire. So we need to get some more people in. And I think this is the, a great way to do it. No, and we want you to do that. We want the next generation to lead us. We do. I think John had something he wanted to ask. You know, if I can throw that question right back to you, you know, from the outside perspective, what should we continue? What should we change for 2018 you know, to make sure that we are bridging that gap, to make sure that we are telling our story? I think, again, it's, it's very difficult. I wasn't there. And so I'll answer it just from a very limited perspective. And I've learned a lot today. So I want to applaud both of you for taking the time and being so articulate and eloquent and passionate and agreeing with some of the things and disagreeing with some of the things. But to answer your question, John, I think I'd love to see just a little more transparency. Not that it wasn't transparent, but it just went into this black hole. I knew about the event. The event was coming up. There was a lot of fanfare leading up to it. And then it just seemed to disappear. And I think as you guys go through the event, there's little nuggets of information that could be tweeted out, that could be thrown on Facebook on the PPAI feed or something. There's things that you guys are doing that are different. There's things that I want to learn from that will make me better. And I'm starving for that. And I can't be the only one. Right. So because I'm not at that event and I don't have the issue Kirby does with the exclusive nature of it, I really I think it's appropriate. But I don't want to be part of it, but I want to be part of it vicariously, if that makes sense. You know, I attend NALC. I'm leaving for NALC here in a couple of days. And I know that I'll be sharing as much as I can and hold me accountable to that. What did I learn when I went to NALC? I know that people go to the Women's Leadership Conference, share some things, and it doesn't have to be the same crowd shot of people sitting in a dimly lit conference room looking at a speaker. I agree with you on that. But I do think there's some learnings that can be shared and can be shared quickly. If I can just jump in there, what I learned from the event, from just people, they didn't feel comfortable in doing so. And that's the best part to me that came out of Spark. People feel, that the attendees really feel now that they've got you know, a backing to put their board, put their feelings and their thoughts and their, what they're thinking and how they operate, what they're doing out there before they were not feeling encouraged to do so. So that says a lot about the event. I think itself, you know, I think that's, it absolutely is on us. We could have done a much better job, but 
you know, we've kind of opened the floodgates, if you will, for this to be not so, you know, I guess, what was the word you used, Bill? The optics. Yeah, I mean, just in general, yeah, the optics could could be better and they will be better, I think, now because people are going to be more comfortable in sharing. But, you know, I mean, we're the minority right now in the industry and, you know, people are, are trying to build careers. So they don't want to say the wrong things or be too vocal. And now I feel like you're going to see that changing. I hope so. I hope so. Kirby, what do you think? What should they continue? What should that group continue when they head to Nashville next year? And what should maybe they change from an outsider's perspective? Yeah. So I think I would say, first of all, again, like Bill said, great job, John. Great job, Kelsey. So just a couple things off the top of my head that I would say. I think that your idea of some sort of panel that involves the Paul Kiwitz of the world or the Mark Grahams or the Bill Petries that does speak to additional generations, allows you to ask questions. I think, quite frankly, that shuts someone like me up, right? That addresses that. And I actually think it adds value. And we need to shut you up more. (laughs) We do. Quite honestly, we really do. Yeah, that's fair. But then also just really, I think whether it's through PPAI, whether it's through just the work group is just be more intentional about your social strategy, right? Like spend more time on promoting out learnings through using a hashtag. You know, I mean, it's not rocket science stuff, but I think one of the things that you guys just talked about is having the confidence to do it. I hope you do, because to Bill's point, I think that will really tell the story of the event in a social platform. And at the end of the day, I know what you were saying, Kelsey, was like, hey, you should have talked to me, you should have done whatever. But right now, the age in which we live in, a lot of what we see is through social. So the perceived world is real. And so I would say be more intentional about sharing that story. That would be my two cents. Awesome. Well, I think we've had a really great discussion here. It was one of those podcasts. I didn't know what to expect when we went in. And you know, I think we're all kind of brace for impact a little bit because there's some friction and disagreement. But I really think, I know I, I'll speak for me, I learned a lot coming out of this podcast and I'm excited for the next generation to lead the promotional products industry. I can't be more excited about it than hearing people like John and Kelsey and continue the good work that Seth Barnett's doing at PPAI. We just want to hear more about it. So I want to thank Kirby and John and Kelsey for being part of the Promo Kitchen Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org slash donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.